Hi, everyone. I'm Nikki Porter. And I'm Nadine Smith. And this is Canada Horse Podcast brought to you by Informed Equestrian. We strive to enhance the lives of horse owners by facilitating conversations that make people want to talk. Canada Horse Podcast, we are spotlighting the Canadian horse industry while serving our mission to help bridge the knowledge gap for horse owners by offering the whys behind the decisions we make for our horses from their tack to their trainers to their vet care and everything in between. Our listeners are encouraged to use the information offered here on the Canada Horse Podcast to make informed choices that suit their individual needs. We believe in education over judgment and informed choices over following the crowd. Hi, everyone. Can't wait to have the discussion that we are about to have. I recently went to my first horse show in two years with my horse Ford, and Nadine and I have been waiting to talk about what it means to be horse show ready until right now. Yes, there were a lot of moving pieces that had to fit together to even get you to that first horse show of 2021, Nikki. And now you've got another one coming up this weekend. I want to ask you all about the decision to go and compete in that derby in New Brunswick and then to enter this next horse show, which you actually hadn't even planned on attending. But first, I think it's important that we lay out some of the different things we mean when we say horse show ready. And then we can get into all of the things, your recent experience and maybe my upcoming horse show plans as well. All right. Sounds like a plan. I think it's really important for us to actually look at what does it mean to be horse show ready for each individual? Because it looks so different to every single person who's entering the pen. And so really for this conversation, you're getting two people's perspectives. But some of the points that we're going to discuss are, is your horse ready? That means physically, mentally, and emotionally. Are you prepared? Do you feel supported? Do you have a team? Why are you attending a show, a competition, or a race? What are your goals? And when should you decide not to go to a show or even just scratch a class? Yeah. And you know, you mentioned at the very beginning of that, Nikki, that we're going to have two different perspectives. And I think that we might find that we have not different opinions, but I think we definitely sometimes have different goals, you and I, and different reasons. And so I think we're going to have, as usual, a couple of different, pretty good perspectives for people to relate to. Yeah. And I think that it comes down to two. We have different levels of needing to be of levels of preparedness. You know what I mean? So we'll get into that further into the episode, I'm sure. But, you know, what it feels like for one person to be ready to roll based on their personality, their show experience, their feelings of what they're feeling like with their horse at this time. So many factors play into, you know, what makes us feel ready. And I think that that's really going to be highlighted in this particular conversation. Okay. So why don't we give a a teeny little background Um, for anybody that's been listening from the very beginning, they probably know some of this stuff, but just as a refresher, let's give our background in our show experience. And then that will probably make it pretty clear why we have these different ways. So for myself, I didn't really start competing until about six years ago, maybe seven, eight. Um, and, and so I'm really in my newest years of competing because I have a different horse. So I had a couple of years with one horse that I just got into some 
uh, extreme trail competitions and the beginning of a couple ra- um, raining competitions. And then I've literally only done maybe a handful of shows with my current horse. So I'm so new into this experience. I did not grow up in pony club. I did not grow up in 4-H. The only show experience I had as a, a child or a teenager growing up were in just local fairs, a couple of uh, yearly events. So not a lot in terms of actual competitive environments here. So what about you, Nikki? Oh my gosh. I love how different our experiences are, but that we come together and we're able to do something like this together where we bring these different perspectives because it just, I think this episode's going to highlight that because I grew up so competitive and I feel like because of that, I like when I put my chaps on to try on my chaps to go to this show, I felt that familiar feeling from when I was a kid of like being ready to roll. And we'll talk about it more in a minute. But so I grew up in pony club. I started riding. My mom has informed me now that it was five, not seven. I started competing almost immediately when we purchased a pony. And then I made the commitment to my show career. And that actually shaped our conversation from our last episode of like selling horses. So even just keeping buying and and keeping and selling horses were all directed around my competitive career. So I showed, you know, through the summer I showed almost every weekend, my sister went and she was an inventor and I was in the hunter world and I love stepping into a show pen. And I mean, I showed quite competitively from seven until now. So, and I'm almost 40. So it's, it's, I feel it in my blood when I walk into a horse show, I will say that I feel like I ride my best in the show pen because of situations that I've, um, that I've been in, uh, you know, in a competitive circle. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. When you say that, it gives me goosebumps. Like I, I understand the way you feel in that way. And I think that given the two different experiences, it really makes sense about the things that I feel that I need to be extra prepared on and Mm -hmm. why some things um, that you get hung up on, I maybe don't Mm -hmm. because I'm happy if I just get there, have all my stuff and my horse doesn't run away with me. Like, that's what I want. I just want to have fun and not make a fool of myself. Whereas you go in with, I think a much higher expectation, which puts a lot more pressure on, right? Does that, that that's about it. Hey, that's very accurate. Yep. Even though you guys, we are at the same shows often showing in the same classes. So somehow I've gotten myself to this level and not that I have imposter syndrome. Like I feel I deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. It's just, I feel like I haven't proven myself yet. I haven't had a chance to really prove myself, but I'm there. (laughs) I think it's fantastic that you and I, you know, me being from a competitive background and you not coming from as much of a competitive background, we can be in the same class and feel and know that we're on the same level in that specific discipline. It just, I think it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite parts about shows. Yeah, I think that that really underlines why it's important to have support at the shows and why it's important to help and support others. Because you just, again, never know what somebody else's background is, what they're feeling. It always shocks me when I see people that I consider so above me or so much more experienced when they're still nervous. Uh, It confuses me because I'm like, oh my gosh, 
why are you nervous? I should be really nervous then, you know, <laughs> but everybody, everybody processes differently and everybody has internal goals and yes. pressures that they're feeling for whatever reason. So maybe we should start on our list of what. Okay. First, before we can't do, can, can I tell an embarrassing story mm-hmm. that it comes back to this past weekend, but it comes back also to the experience side of things. So don't laugh at me too much. Actually, you're actually totally welcome to laugh at me. <laughs> okay. So I entered my first in-hand class this past weekend since I was a young child because the last time I did a halter class, I peed my pants in front of everyone when I was seven years old. Right. And so I I was really nervous to go into that class. And I actually had somebody like come over and they explained all the things because I've avoided those particular classes my entire life because of a situation that was very embarrassing as a child. So now I like, I went into the ring feeling like I had never been in a show pen for, for anything before, just because I was then going into the show pen on the ground in a halter class and going, man, I like, I'm at, I better go use the washroom before I actually go into this class. Isn't that funny? And you went on, you won that class, right? My Your horse, it was a confirmation class. <laughs> yeah. My horse won that class. It, had, yeah. it was definitely not based on like showmanship skills. I tried my best to actually present him and like looked and watched other people and tried to uh, do him justice. But yeah, he, his chubby little self won that class. He looked great. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Poor you. Okay. Now we can go. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. That, that is a good story. I didn't know that. So Okay. What does it take to make your horse ready for the show? I think that's That's a really good question. I think, I think it's because it's so important because it is, again, it's totally individual and it's based on first, how many classes do you plan on going in? So different shows call for different levels of physical commitment um, from our horses. I know that some of the quarter horse shows, they, they can enter in many classes throughout the weekend. Um, but really if we're looking at our reigning horses, we might only enter two to three classes for the whole weekend. And then I look at like penning and sorting, depending on how many teams I would base the amount of teams I rode on, on my horse's condition, their physical condition. Oftentimes you're only in the ring for like 30 seconds at a time. So if you add up the amount of time that you actually rode, you probably only rode eight minutes and an entire day in the show pen, but that's wide open. So, you know, if we're looking at physically, how conditioned is my horse for the amount of effort I'm going to expect from them for the amount of time they're going to be in the show pen, how much warm up they need to be then mentally ready. Maybe my horse isn't physically ready just for the warm up alone in order to be mentally prepared for the show pen. And I think that's an important one too, is like how much physical effort does your horse need to put in for you to be able to make the mental connection necessary? And or vice versa, right? So really the physical is a very important one. Um, Mentally and emotionally, I would say those for myself, those are even more important than the physical 
because I can gauge my classes accordingly, the amount of classes I go in based on their physical, but the mental and emotional, that's the entire environment. So I really do want to make sure for myself that my horse is more mentally and physically or mentally and emotionally ready than even physical. So those are really important, I think, for everybody. And these are two of the pieces that I because of my lack of experience in the show condition, I didn't even understand how to give that to my horse when I first mm-hmm. started taking him to shows. And that really shot me in the foot. And so there are things you can do to get your horse emotionally and mentally ready for a show environment. And that involves not protecting them from all the loud noises, all the lights, all the flashy things. It means riding in the rain. If you may have to ride in the rain at a show means riding in the heat. If you're going to plan to ride in the heat at the show, mm-hmm. um, it means taking them off of your property regularly, mm-hmm. learning to separate from their buddies so that it doesn't put them into an extremely stressful environment. When you leave home, if you only leave home once or twice a year to go to a show, that's starting off your horse on the wrong foot. It's funny because we had a conversation with someone this past weekend and he said that his daughter and his granddaughter are they show at a level where they don't even get to really ride at home. They are at a show every single weekend and that's all their horses know. And he said, gosh, I wish I could just send my horses with them every single weekend just for the exposure alone, because it's a totally different environment. So if you do plan on showing in order to get them mentally and emotionally ready, if you don't have the ability to take your horse off property, then it, you do have to put some effort in it. We used to put like flowers everywhere. We used to have um, loudspeakers with people clapping. We would do these things in order to create a different environment at home. Ideally, you can get your horse on the trailer and take them, haul them somewhere else, get them used to being ridden in different environments or go to clinics because then you're getting the exposure and education and support all at the same time. Like I personally, I feel like to prep for a show, a clinic is your ideal situation. For sure. You and I are both big on clinics. I, I love going to clinics and for that reason, especially, and there, I didn't realize how much you could do to add that pressure at home Mm -hmm. because that's the thing. And that ties into the human, emotional, physical, psychological pressures, but to just up the pressure at home so -hmm. that they feel a little bit of what you're going to be feeling during that time where you're in a rush or you're feeling stressed or nervous or anxious, they have to feel that from you in a comfortable environment too, so that they can be used to you, not necessarily being the consistent person that you are when you're just at home. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I go into the show pen expecting to only bring like 50 to 60% of my best horse with me. So Mm -hmm. if I'm at home and I think, you know, how is my horse right now? Would I be happy if he was only at 60%? If that's a no, then we're probably not ready to be in the show pen yet. And you push them faster, push them harder at home. And one thing too, that I have learned and you, I know you can probably articulate this better than me just from doing your trail clinics and stuff, but you know how, say when you're getting used to desensitizing your horse to carrying a flag or hauling a rope or a log behind you, you know how you can kind of somehow like do it slowly and more cautiously so that they don't freak out. Mm -hmm. Don't 
do that at home. Like once you get them comfortable, you have mm-hmm. to have them like ready for the unexpected. So I'm not saying like jump out and try to scare them, but like don't protect them from that explosion because that will happen at the show a hundred percent if you're trying to protect them from that at home. Yeah, definitely. And you know, there's definitely ways that we can in a show environment, this is coming from an English background where we actually do protect them in little ways. And so for instance, in my past life, I used to earplug my horses at shows and I used to ride on the quarter line. I didn't ride my horse on the outside of the ring because I was protecting them always from the situations in order to make sure that we could keep our poop in a group through the entire class. And so now that I recognize that those are, they're, they're not necessarily signs they aren't ready, but they were signs that I wasn't sure how to get them ready for those specific things. So now, you know, especially with the trail clinic stuff, we don't, we don't stop someone from doing something because it's going to trigger this horse. We try to teach the person, how do you handle the horse while they're being triggered in order to feel safer in the situation. Mm -hmm. So I think you're, you're very right. If we always go about things in this slow, methodic planned, very predictable way, it will appear like our horse is more ready for a situation than they truly are. Yeah. And, and you're always anticipating the explosion or, or, or trying to keep it together, like you said. Mm -hmm. So for an example, my husband raked the ring. He's so good at dragging the ring after I ride. And he left the drag at the, at the end of the arena one day and in a place where they weren't used to it being. And I just had made a comment to him like, Oh, Bo is, he's focused on that drag down there. He's not really comfortable going by. And he said, Oh, I can move it up by the barn. I said, no, no, please don't. I, he needs to get used to that. There are things that happen in the arena. I just have to make sure that I can get his mind so that we can ride by it. I need things at home to look funny at the end so that when I'm doing a rundown in an arena, my horse isn't more focused on that scary thing than he is on listening to me. And so we just have to take advantage of those things at home and not find them so frustrating or annoying and use that to our advantage. Oh, 100%. Like I could not agree more. If I know that I'm going into uh, the show ring and I'm prepping for it at home, as much as I'm doing, you know, prepping for what they need to do physically, I make a conscious effort before I go into the ring, I will change something in the ring or I'll take something and put it in a place that I know that they're going to notice or you know, I, that's been something that I have been almost trained to do because I've had horses that are very aware of their environment. And I have to make sure that I am capable of, of accessing them mentally when they mm-hmm. disconnect. And that is one of the best ways to do that. Nadine, that is perfect. I do just, before we move on to the human side, I just wanted to touch basic or on the physical side again. And when I was entering, putting my paperwork for the show that's upcoming, I did have to think about how much horse am I going to have left at the end of the day if I go in all the classes that I want to have. And it's been in social media a little bit lately um, in some Facebook groups that we've been in about different horses being put in 30 different classes with three Mm -hmm. different riders and stuff. And I, I really, the most important, the very most important thing to me personally is the horse's well-being. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that I do think about. And I think is important for everybody to think about is how much do you ride your horse at home 
and how much do you expect them to do at a clinic or a show? Mm-hmm. If you're not going to ride your horse four times a day at home, you better be careful if you're going to ride them four times a day for half an hour, 45 minutes. When you go to a competition, they just, they have to be physically ready for that. And it's, it's harder on their systems too, when they're in a different barn and hopefully the barn lights aren't on all night and people aren't in and out of the barn all night. Cause they might not be sleeping as well either. Right. And yeah. if you don't ride at four o'clock in the morning at home, it is going to be harder for your horse to ride at four o'clock in the morning when you're at a show and then get up and expect to warm them up in the morning and then ride six more times during the day. I think another really important part of it that maybe gets overlooked sometimes is the mental exhaustion that happens because we see it with the trail clinics all the time where people aren't even riding that very first day of our clinic, nobody's on their horse and their horses are laid flat out and they've done mostly just resting with their person in a new environment, being asked to do new things. So if you can think of the mental exhaustion that takes place and then add the physical, because you've entered you know, all of the classes that you want to enter, or you know that your horse is a little up. So you have to warm up super early in the morning to get them into the ring. Or let's say you, it's the only time you can get into the ring and you know that you need to expose them to that show pen. And maybe you have to ride them three times that day just for their warm up alone for the exposure. So there's all these different elements that create an environment where we really do have to watch for them to be getting a maxed out. And by maxed out, I mean, they're mentally and physically at their breaking point where they're saying Mm -hmm. I've hadn't had too much. We can, we all know this feeling for ourselves. So we can empathize with this and be compassionate with our horses. But unfortunately, when they do that, it comes, it kind of translates often in some negative behaviors that we're trying to avoid. And so if our horse typically does not behave a certain way, even when we have prepared them, and then all of a sudden these behaviors are coming out, it's quite possible that we put them in a position where they're mentally and physically uh, just maxed out. And so instead of being upset with them and thinking we're not prepared for the show, maybe they just need either less riding time or maybe it's really hot or we really have to say like, what is going on here? What's happening right now in order to have the answers and their well-being is most important all of the right. time. Yeah. 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 That's great. All right. So let's move on to the human side of this. So are you prepared? Literally, do you have the time to plan? Do you have the time to pack, to clean your tack, to get everything ready, to physically get there? Do you have everything laid out? Are you, did you put your entry fees in and all of the things? Are you mentally ready? Are you psychologically ready? Do you feel like you can remember a pattern when you go in things like that? So Nikki, how do you feel about this one? Well, I feel like because I have a lot of experience just going to the shows, I don't have a lot of pressure on myself there. So like I pack a small tack box, I pack the bridle that I need, maybe a couple bits my saddle. I have a small tote. So I don't drag a lot of stuff with me um, because I know that I don't want to be overwhelmed by all of that on top of all of the other things, because whatever you bring there, you have to bring it back. And so, you know, when it comes to getting packed uh, and literally being ready to go, I don't carry a lot of stress around that, but it is very important. And I have been to the show's 
where I have driven up and looked and this would be like past life, look at my mom and be like, I forgot my helmet or I forgot my girth. (laughs) And that like feeling your stomach sinks. Now, luckily you're going likely to a place where there's an abundance of those things and there's always a solution. I think that's the most important part. If you you know, you're getting ready, you're going to the show and you forget something, there's always a solution. You're probably not going to have to drive five hours back in order to right. get it. Right. So, exactly. you know, there's a solution. So there's no need to panic there, but it is really nice to have your own things, um, especially at a show. So you do your best to make sure the most important things that make you feel comfortable and safe with your horse are the things you pack first. So like, if there's something I'm, I'm very particular about what I use in the sense that I get comfortable in my tack. If there's a change in my equipment, whether it be a new pair of jeans, like just silly things like that, that Mm -hmm. can throw me off just enough. I want to make sure that when I go through my list before I hit the road, I'm like, do I have my saddle? Cause I cannot ride in somebody else's saddle at a show. This is not going to work. So do I have my saddle? Do I have my bridle? Do I have the right reins? Do I have the right spurs? Do I have the right boots for my feet? When I can check those things off, the other things can be taken care of if for something happens, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think you're right. I definitely think that because you have so much experience, it's easier for you. And it gets easier for me because it's the same type of prep that goes into going to Mm -hmm. a clinic and stuff. But, and you can maybe speak to a little more of everything that you had to deal with this past weekend when you went to the show, but especially for us moms and well, I guess for anybody else, you have a farm at home or you have other animals at home. You have a husband and a a kid or maybe multiple kids and other animals. So not only are you preparing how much hay you have to bring, putting your feed Mm -hmm. in baggies and all of that stuff to make sure you're good with your horse for the weekend. You also have to think about, okay, When am I leaving? What time am I leaving? Is somebody picking up my kid from daycare or school? Are Mm -hmm. we, is my husband good? Is he taking me? Is he coming? Are we having a babysitter? Do the dogs have food? Does somebody have to take care of my dog when I'm gone? What time am I coming back? And then the day I get back, what time do we have to get up in the morning? Because maybe school starts on Monday morning. You know, you're just like horse show hangover by the time you get home. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's the, the before prep. And then there's the planning for the after when your brain doesn't work anymore too. <laughs> yeah. That's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you do need to have, like, you need to have things set up so that when you get home, you don't just step into more overwhelm. That's, mm-hmm. that's a real thing for sure. Nadine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So why don't you just, t- just tell us what the week was like before you went to the horse show and the, the thoughts that went in. Cause I don't know if I was in your place, I don't know if I ha- would have wanted to go to the horse show so bad that I would have made it work. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I know that, you know, the day on Thursday before I had to actually leave. So I was leaving Sunday with all of the things and being gone for over a week from home and go like it, it was a thing. So I also didn't think I was going to be able to do it, but I did have a couple really important conversations with people. And I think that that's the key is that when people around you know your goals, when people around you know what you will feel good doing when it's done, when you're feeling the doubt, those are the people you call. 
So for myself me in that situation, I was like, no, I don't think I can do it. (laughs) She would be like, you have too much on your plate. (laughs) And so I'll give you a little context. So I had my second COVID vaccine on a Wednesday and that Sunday we had two, and I did, you know, my husband did call me and lay it all out. And he said, I support you in your decision. However, I want you to know what your what this decision does for our family. Like I put a lot of pressure on everyone by deciding to go to that show. So I'll explain why. So uh, we have a contract with uh, Snyder Mountain Ranch and I go and I teach once a year for a full week at Snyder Mountain Ranch, which is about an hour and a half drive away from home. Uh, and so I'm there from Sunday until Friday. And if I was just going to teach a regular camp, that would be great. I'm not. I'm teaching a sorting camp. So we have to bring our cows and we have to bring all of the panels to to create the sorting pens. We have to bring all of the stuff for the water for the cows, the numbering for the cows, the chains for the gates. Like there was just that week alone is a lot of prep. And so that requires... Uh, two trucks and trailers to be able to get there. Me being left there with a truck and trailer strategically because he now needs a truck for work. So then he has to trailer back home. We also decided that my daughter was going to stay with me for the first time. Uh, She's never gone to camp, but why not now? Right. So we knew that she was going to have some friends there that she could play with. She knew that she didn't have access to me all day long. So I had to pack my clothing for a full week. I had to pack clothing for her for a full week, which I did learn Nadine that if you pack two weeks worth of underwear for an eight-year-old girl, it's not enough when they're going to camp. Yeah, I can see that. Yes. Okay. They need like, they need like a month's worth. I discovered (laughs) this is just a little side note. So I had all of those things. And then I decided those I already knew were on my plate. Then I decided, well, there's a horse show that weekend. So I'm finishing the camp on Friday. There's a horse show 10 minutes away from there uh, that Saturday, Sunday that I wasn't necessarily ready to go to, but I had a really good conversation with somebody that just said like you, this is something that if you don't get started now, you're probably going to never feel ready because of the change of discipline and, and still feeling like my horse is new and all of the, all of the things. So we started looking at what the possibilities looked like for me to get to that show. And one of those was looking for the support of, of people around me. And, and Dan Northrup only lived 35 minutes away from where I was teaching this camp. So I got it in my head that I could then get my horse to dance for the week and I would be able to ride in the evenings in order to prepare for this show. So I went to the camp, my horse got on the trailer with the cows. So they, you know, it's a stock trailer, so they have different stalls, but he, Nadine, you would have like, you would have died. I walked him onto that trailer and the cows were already on the trailer and his little eyes, he was like, are you kidding me? Is this what I'm, what I have to do now? (laughs) We trailered the, we trailered gates, panels, um, horse, cows, child, everything all up to Sussex. 
and dropped the panels, built the built the the uh, pens for the cows, dropped the cows off, put the horse back on the trailer, took him to Quispamsis. And honestly, without Dan and my husband and Kelly, because she fed me all week without, oh, and then everybody else at the camp taking care of my child, without the support of those people, I would not have been able to do it. So we then went on Friday and picked up the cows and picked up the gates and left my horse. Dan took care of my horse from start to finish on Friday, got my horse to the show. I arrived and he had actually even warmed him up for me. And I got on and got ready for my class. And I did call and panic at one point because they changed the start of the show time from 12 to 11, which when you're, when you're running tight on time and you're like that scheduled, an hour difference makes a huge difference. So I was panicking and I called and Dan just said, this is for fun. Like, this is fun. Remember, this is fun. You will get here. It'll be fine. Don't worry. And that just took the pressure off. Um, yeah. So I will say one thing, Nadine, the reason I mentioned that I had got my COVID vaccine on the Wednesday and we were leaving on the Sunday, Thursday, I couldn't get out of my own way. I should have taken a picture for you. Actually. I was sitting in my laundry room with my back against the wall in my laundry pile, trying to put socks together and couldn't like, I, I just couldn't. So I did have a, have a phone call conversation with a friend that day. And she said, the not sick Nikki will be really upset that the sick Nikki made the decision not to go. And I was like, okay. Oh, I'm so glad that you have friends like that. And friends like me who are like, Nikki, if you're feeling this tired today, you're probably going to feel extra tired tomorrow. So you probably Mm -hmm. don't want to put yourself through that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm glad you listened to her. Um, okay. So I have a lot. Oh, well, I, there's so many things. I'm so proud of you for doing it. My number one question is when did you have time to learn to your patterns? When did you have time to even think oh, about when you had to go? <laughs> so, like, so I was, I, I discovered something new about raining at this weekend or on this particular weekend, I was last in my ladies raining class. So I had that pattern. Like I knew that pattern from the night before, cause I went to bed riding that pattern got up the next morning riding that pattern and then I was like what's my draw for my next class I was first first in the next class last cruel that was cruel scheduling right there (laughs) so I I discovered that I need a little more time than that because I did zero the next pattern however (laughs) it was my favorite ride even though I zeroed the pattern I just I didn't need to work on my lead changes that pattern that's all yeah I mean even the best of them can go off pattern or add an extra spin. Uh, I just couldn't imagine all the things that you were doing. It almost takes away the nerve wracking part of the show because mm. it was like, you just had to get there and get in. <laughs> yeah. Being yeah. at the show was the, was the breath of fresh air. Yeah, Like getting yeah. there was like, Oh, okay. We made it. I made it to the end. And I could tell that I was probably pushing myself to a max because there were certain points in the weekend where I was, um, I was nervous. So that was part of it, but I could feel myself like coming down a little bit and then I'd have to hype myself back up. Yeah. And okay. So that really brings us into the support team part of it because you were very clear, you know, I didn't, I tried not to touch base with you too much, but I really was having the I was feeling sad because I was missing out and I wanted to know how you were doing and stuff. And you mentioned a few times how well, how well supported you were and how much Dan had been doing for you. So Mm -hmm. 
that, that is another thing. So when you're going to a show, do you feel supported? And we've, we've have talked about this in other episodes. And I feel, especially now that I'm home, I'm not particularly Mm -hmm. supported on a daily basis, but I do feel that I know a lot of people in the area now that when I go to a show, I'm okay. Nadine, I just had a chat with another great friend of mine about something very similar because, you know, I, I relied on Dan for that weekend, but you and I are in a similar situation where we're at home riding alone to prepare for these shows. We're not at a boarding burn where we're surrounded by, by people who are riding with us, where we have a coach with us all of the time. And so, you know, I'm very grateful for Dan to have been able to help me for him to be able to coach me through that week and be able to prepare more mentally probably than anything else to be at that show. But I had somebody say like, you know, why do you take lessons from different people? Why? Like she essentially said, like, I would never take lessons from all of these different people and go to all these different clinics. And, and she looked at it as a matter, matter of loyalty. And I, I can see how that is, but it's important when we look at what our support looks like and what support looks like for each individual, because she's at a boarding burn and her support is incredible. And she has a built-in coach all of the time. And she is part of that, that culture within one specific burn. You know what I mean? And when you're not part of that, you have to create your own support system. And I think that's what you were talking about. Like you, you go to the shows, you know, people, and you know, you can ask things of people. Yeah, for sure. And we have, and, and, you know, we have peers like you and I and Mm -hmm. different people that we go to the shows and we're all kind of in it together. And do you need help wrapping your polos? Mm -hmm. Cause I always do. And, you know, like just Mm -hmm. the little things like, can we safety pin my, my uh, saddle pad and who's going to relent roll me and just the little Mm -hmm. things that it just helps when you have people around you Mm -hmm. to, to help you with some of those things. And I completely get that experience, Nikki, where I've never been, even when I was boarding, it wasn't a show burn. So it was, you get the coach that comes in, you just get the person that comes for a lesson once in a while, or you pay somebody to come in and do a group lesson. And I love going to clinics and getting different experiences. I'm all about show me all the things. And then I'll take the parts that I can put into my own program and, and clicking with different people. And I don't always have a chance to ride with Dan, but when I do, I certainly listen and respect him. And we're lucky we have uh, Kempton close by and he's my farrier, but he also will come and do lessons, but he's so busy and I'm so busy. I touched base with him in the spring and I said, I want to have at least five lessons before my first show. And so far I've had one and a half lessons in the last two years. (laughs) So it's like, you know, we just are so busy. And literally this week, I can't even tell you it's, it's been a bad week for my horses and my horse has blown two shoes since he got shoes on a week ago. (laughs) So I haven't been able to ride in three days because I have no slider on. And so hopefully I'm going to get that back on, but there's just things like that, that come up. And if you don't have somebody around to help you with that, to fix, you don't have a farrier in house. So you just have to wait until they can come in and get it back on the support of other people to take care of your kids, to help you with your grooming, to have a spouse or someone at home that can house sit or watch the dogs is very important. Yeah. And again, it's so different 
for everyone. And I think it's important for people instead of saying like, you know, why, why does that person hang out with those people so much? And, you know, I think it's really important for us to all look around and say how we all have to build our support teams differently because of the situations we're in and those support teams based solely on your situation of whether you're boarded or whether you live at home will look very different. And also based on personality, you know, some people want to be able to feel like they have a large group of support. And some people only want to be able to have that one person that they listen to and they rely on and they go to, and they don't want to think outside of that because that's just, that just doesn't suit their personality. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. For me, too much, too much input is distracting to me. Mm-hmm. I am the person before the show. That's just like sitting there quietly by myself, memorizing my pattern, knowing my stuff. And I think that comes from being an independent person and also from spending a lot of time alone mm-hmm. and, and riding. I'm very comfortable with my riding and what, knowing what I need to do. It's the like competitive atmosphere that I'm like, okay, what time do I get dressed? What time do I go in and warm up? Do I have all my stuff on straight? Is my hat on backwards or not? (laughs) I got you. (laughs) And whereas other people who may used to be riding with a coach, they may used to be riding with a coach almost every time they ride. And so to have a trainer or a coach telling them, this is what you need to work on today. And Mm -hmm. to be critiquing their moves and their, and, and looking at them while they're doing their run and stuff like that. We talked to someone recently. I remember, I think you were there, Nikki. And she was talking about watching her coach out of the side of her eye and telling her what to do. And I was like, whoa, I can't even imagine that scenario because I'm just in it for myself at that point. Yeah. To have somebody know you and your horse that well, it's a privilege to have somebody their eye on you all of the time and for you to have those consistent lessons. And I, I had that growing up and I did not recognize how important it was until now, and I shouldn't even say important. It's like I said, it's a bit of a privilege to be able to have that support, but at the same time, you know, I've grown to really value the opinions of others. And I've grown to value that. I don't care if you've been reigning for six months more than me or six years or 60 years. I like, I've come to the conclusion that every single person knows just a bit more than I do at this point. So they all can kind of help me out. Um, but it is, there's something about that, that having someone on the ground that knows you and your horse as a team so well that you would just rely on hearing their voice when you're in the show pen. Um, it's not what all of us have. Yeah, no, I don't know that. Um, but I, I can appreciate that. Absolutely. I can appreciate the privilege that that would be. And I appreciate when I do have support around for someone to at least say, this is where you could have done better, or this is what happened there. Cause I've been in situations where I've lost points on a roll back stop and roll back and I didn't understand it. And then when somebody broke it down and they said, no, it was in your stop, not actually in your rollback, just little things like that. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's so important. And for, I think if you're out there and you're feeling alone and you want to go to a show, but you don't know who to reach out to, look for the people that are, that are outgoing, that are positive, that, you know, our coaches or trainers or that you look up to. And I will bet that those people would be happy to help 
And we have found numerous of those people all over the Maritimes, I think at this point, Nikki. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about why you would be entering a show or a competition or a race. We're talking about all disciplines here. So this could mean anything. So why are you competing with your horse? Is it your, is it that you want to get experience for your horse? Are they new and green and you want to get them in the show pen? Is it because you are ready to get out there and win some ribbons or some money, a trophy, or are you just going to have fun and to come out and compete with your friends? Because that's your social life. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I entered the Sussex show was because I needed to show in order to get ready to show. Yeah. And unfortunately here in, in this climate that we have, we only have a, a short window of a show season. It's not like we can show all year long. And we are very fortunate that we have the number of shows booked this mm-hmm. year that we do. And I'm definitely sitting here going, oh, I missed the first one. And now I'm going to miss the second one. And everybody else is going to have two shows before I even get to my first show. And And so you have that much more experience already this summer and your horse has already been in the ring and my horse hasn't been out in two years. And so that's going through my head. And so I'm going for fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going out there. This isn't the year I expect to make, meet all my goals. And I don't have a lot of expectations. It's more this year for me, just getting back out there. I love it. And I think every one of us, we go in with a bit of the show pressure. I think it would be naive for us to believe that no one, you know, that everyone walks into the pen or, or no one, I should say walks into the pen without feeling a little bit of that competitive pressure. Um, but it's important when you go in there and really say like, what are my intentions? Like my intentions, when I say I went to that show in order to get ready to show, I had to get back into that mindset and the feeling of prepping for all the things we've already talked about, prepping Mm -hmm. for the show, getting to the show, you know, feeling what my horse feels like at a show to know what I need to work on. It informs my, my rides at home. What are the things? Maybe I thought my horse was more prepared for something than they are prepared for it, whether that's environmentally or based on the discipline, whatever it might be. So, you know, when I say that, It is literally that we have to show to know whether we're ready or not to show. And then for you to say, I'm going there to have fun. I think that's really important to be able to, to sit there and say, I'm here for fun. I am here. That's my mantra. When I go to, to, into the ring, I do this for fun. I do this for fun. (laughs) Yeah. And like all of the things when you're at the show, all of the things we're here for fun. And, you know, I don't, I did not grow up going to shows for fun. I've done a handful of shows in my life where that was the intention going in. And now I'm starting to actually have the, the capacity for fun, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I want to dig a little bit deeper into this. I know we don't have endless amounts of time, but I am a very competitive person and I like individual sports also like I really like races and and we've talked about that before and so I sure like to be competitive and I like to do well and there's not a lot of money in the classes that we enter so unless you're in an open class or you really think you can win a lot you're you're probably not in it for the money per se but maybe in it for the the accolades or you're in it to say you won or you're not you necessarily Nikki but all of us or yeah. some of yeah. us 
you want to be able to be first place or you want to prove to yourself that I think that's a lot of it for, for me is to prove that I deserve to be in the class, mm-hmm. the, to prove that I can compete with some of the people that I look up to and respect mm-hmm. that I consider really good at what they've done. So I feel that if I can get, if I can place in some of those classes, then I've met my goal of mm-hmm. being there and and competing with some of the people that I think are really good. Yeah. And I guess, do you mind if we talk a little bit about like how we decide what classes we go in? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, this has been a really interesting experience um, because, you know, when I changed disciplines and I, I started figuring out like, oh my God, I don't even know what classes to go in. First of all, I have no idea when I started, like what, what, does this class even mean? Who is it for? And so I also started looking at, and I think this is really important when, when you're a competitive, like goal oriented person, if you can start to look around and say, who are the people that I, I want to be competitive with, whether you feel like you're ready to be there or not, um, who are the people that I want to be competitive with? And so, and then where do I belong? So where right now do I belong? What classes? And then where do I want to be? And so my last two shows, I entered in a class that I knew I was not like, there was zero expectation of me to go in and have any pressure on myself to win that class. It was a, a non-option because I was going in with people who were light years ahead of me, but they're the people that I want to be competitive with. So these are the, this is the class I want to be competitive in eventually, whether that's five years, 10 years, whatever. So I chose to put myself in those shoes in order to be able to give myself a benchmark and say, right now, this is where I'm at. This is a realistic view of how I, how I, I don't know how to explain it realistically, where I am I in reference to my goal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one class, I think I placed like ninth out of everyone. I wasn't, I think there were like 10 in the class (laughs) and, and that's, you know, that was good. I, I got a score. And I said, when I went into the last one, which was actually the Derby. And I, I, you know, I would say I wasn't necessarily prepared to be in that class. Um, and I walked out and I said, well, I didn't embarrass myself. And that's, that's how I felt like I knew I was going towards the goal that I'm looking for. What would be embarrassing yourself? I mean that seriously. Ah, that's a good question. Feeling like I, I have done it. <laughs> yeah, feeling like I didn't belong at all. Feel coming out of the ring and feeling like I put myself and my horse over our heads. I didn't feel like I was over my head. I felt like there was a, a ton of room for growth, but I didn't feel like I was way in over my head and I have felt like I've been way in over my head and these particular classes, I didn't. Thank you for answering that. I really think that people need to, to really ask themselves that in order to walk in and feel proud, even if you don't win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I've been there too. And it doesn't feel good to feel like you're in over your head or that you let yourself or your horse down. Um, and I think, I think it's important. It also is based on the discipline too, because like if I was in a jumping discipline, And if I just entered a class, like I entered these classes, um, 
because I wanted to be in the same ring with the people I wanted to be competitive against, I could overface my horse and myself to a point where it's actually dangerous. And to, you know, so I don't want to say like, go and put yourself in the class that you feel like you want to be in the future. Only do that if it's, if it's safe to do so. Uh, and in this instance, when it comes to reigning, like you, it's an individual thing and you can do things at the level that you are ready for at that time. Um, but it's really important to recognize what are the classes that are in, that would put you in over your head. Okay. So that really makes sense. And I think that it brings up another point about what you're saying about what classes do you enter? I ask a lot of questions to the show organizers when it comes to what classes, because of my lack of experience in entering some classes. And sometimes I need clarification on what is a novice class to you? What does it mean to be green? Cause sometimes it's green as you've earned $100. Sometimes it's $500. And that's a big difference in my life right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because right now I can still enter a green rider class and I, that's where I need to be. Even though I really want to be in the the non-pro class, I want to be able to compete. That's my goal. We don't want to put ourselves ahead of where we actually are now because it's more fair to ourselves Mm -hmm. to stay in the place that we can. And I know you're in an interesting position there, Nikki, and it makes it more difficult to choose which classes you go in. But I do think that it's important to ask the questions of to make sure you're clear on what you're allowed to enter, what is required in those classes and to know how many you should go in because in reigning, it's easy to enter several classes, but maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, definitely. And I think that sometimes, and this is what I've, I've discovered is that on paper, you are allowed to enter a class, but when it comes to the politics of the show, there are other less spoken rules that if you're new to the discipline, you might not know. So it's really good to ask the questions of like the hows and the whys of who are in each class. And that would be a mistake that I've made uh, just entering into a new discipline. So I think it's important to talk to the people that have been there for a long time, the show organizers. Absolutely. Um, But sometimes in my past experience, I I spoke to the show organizer who was very black and white and spoke to the show rules only and not the politics of the show. Um, And then you have to figure out whether that matters to you or not. Yeah, that's a good point. I think to talk to someone you trust is also important. Somebody that is, has experience in that situation. If you want to stay in that discipline and show with those people, with the same people, it Mm -hmm. probably should matter a little bit um, just so that you know, everybody's getting along at the different shows. Yeah. There was something else that I wanted to touch on there. Oh, you know what? One thing that confuses me sometimes is something like Western pleasure. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the pleasure classes, you can go to just a regular local show and I could go in with my Rainer and have fun and compete in a Western pleasure class just for fun. But then if you go to like a real AQHA show, then you look like a fool. Mm-hmm. You go into a Western pleasure class. So I think it has to depend on where your show is, what your show is, the, the classification of your show. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something you want to look into if you're just getting started is maybe you go to some of the locally run shows mm-hmm. that might not be as high caliber as some of the more prestigious shows. Does that make sense? Nikki? Oh yeah. I love that. It's a really good point, Nadine, where you're actually looking at 
what level show am I entering? And is it appropriate in this situation for me to, let's say, try a pleasure class for the first time? Uh, let's say, you know, try this or that for the first time. Um, I did not recognize that a lot of Rainers will go into ranch classes, especially now because we're just starting to get into the ranch stuff here. And I didn't recognize or didn't know that they don't necessarily love that at the upper levels. I had no idea. So it's, it's interesting because, you know, maybe I go to a show in Florida in March and I enter my Rainer in a higher end ranch class. And then I offend people because I decide, you know, I, and you don't want to necessarily do that. So it's important to ask the right questions. Perfect. Okay. So I think we've covered about goals and things like that, right? So just make sure that you're making smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time bound. If Nikki's decision is that she wants to be an open competitor in reigning, she doesn't necessarily think that's going to be this year. It's sometimes your goals are long-term and you're just working towards those goals. So in order to make yourself proud and to not feel disappointed, make sure that it's achievable and the greatest thing about horse shows is that they're always measurable. Mm. So I, I think that pretty much covers that part of it. Hey. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So when should you decide not to go or possibly to scratch a class? I think if it is ever a question of the well being of your horse, then that's like an, just a non-decision, right? So if your horse, you're at a show I've, I have scratched, probably many classes in the years of competing. And normally the number one reason is the well-being of the horse. Something is going on, either they're off, something's happened where they're they're not a hundred percent in their movement and you aren't sure why, um, or something behaviorally is happening and it's out of character for them. Um, maybe the, like those really hot shows, we have scratched they like the, for the well-being of the horse and the rider. Uh, do I need to be in this class right now? How important is it for me to be in that class right now? I think sometimes we can lose sight because we work so hard to get there. We spent all that money to get there. We planned so hard to get there that you lose sight of what's really important yeah. um, or it can happen easily. And all of a sudden you get there and the footing is so greasy <sighs> and it's been raining and people just run in it anyway. And even though other people are doing it, I think it's really important for you to say, how would I feel if my horse fell? Mm-hmm. Footing's huge. How yeah. comfortable do I feel running my horse in this grass or mud or rocky ground? Mm-hmm. And put your horse first and your own self, your, your own body first there are so many. And, and lately we've been going through such a heat wave here in Canada. It's been really, really hot. And this is a little after the fact, cause it's cooled down. We're, we're through it now, but I've been doing digging in to find some research about how hot can it be for you? Like how, how can you ride your horse and it still be so hot? So yesterday I found this, um, kind of a calculation and it's in Fahrenheit, but if the combination of the temperature and the humidity reaches 130 to 150 degrees, so say it's mm. 90 degrees plus 60% humidity, that's 150. So at that stage, when it's that hot, it's very, you have to be very cautious when you're riding. And so if it's that hot during a competition, you're probably 
you probably shouldn't be doing it. No. Unless you're in a halter class or something, but to ride to the level, to have a competition, to warm up even, and then to even run your horse, it just is so, so, so dangerous. Yeah. I remember a show when I was probably 16 where I came out of the ring. I think it was a flat class because it was an extended time. It wasn't just like going in and doing a hunter round. It was a flat class. And I came out of the ring and I know that my mom and my coach knew the look of what was happening. And they like tore me off my horse, ripped my helmet off my head, grabbed my jacket. And they were literally drenching me within minutes of coming out of the ring. It was that hot. And I can just think of the fact that, you know, we were, I wasn't allowed then to excuse my jacket. It was not a thing. Like, even if the judge did say jackets were excused, it was a lack of respect. So I wore my jacket, mm-hmm. but it if I was that hot, I can just imagine how hot the ponies were. Right. Yeah. And, oh, I remember times having ponies. I rode a pony to the show, probably 45 minutes, rode her all day, literally barrel racing, pole bending, everything on that pony all day, then rode her home. Mm-hmm. Didn't even think about it. Didn't have any adult to tell me to think about it even. And I right. think that it happened a lot back then. And it probably still sometimes happens now, but you really have to stop and look at that. Like what I had said earlier, do you ride them multiple times a day at home? I'm going to this week, because I'm going into a show next week, I'm going to start riding two small rides as many days as I can, just to get my horse used to coming in, getting tacked up, going back out, you know, getting them used to being ridden a few times a day when that's what you're going to do at the show. That's just helpful to them. But I just think we have to really consider how important is it that we go in if the footing isn't good, if it's not safe, if you think there are people that are out of control. Yeah. If you think you are ready and you discover you weren't, it's Mm -hmm. okay for you to think you are ready to go to a show to get there, discover you're not. And for you to go, well, I have homework to do and I'm not going to finish this show, or maybe I'm not going to enter the next show. Yeah. There's no shame in that. If it, if it could get you hurt or if it could even set you back, right. You're better off just going into the warm-up pen, getting used to things and then going home and working on those things and you are to lose control when you go in there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, when I look at all of this, I think Nadine, we covered a lot. There is so much to deciding, you know, whether we're ready to go to a show or not. I will say we're going to, I'm going to just end this bit on a, on a really positive note. My favorite thing about going to shows, and this is like part of that whole, you have to go to shows to get ready to show is I was sitting in the stands and this was like the moment that I went, Oh, this is why I love doing this. Every person who was a horse person in the stands around me that I was like sitting with that didn't have their horse there have now decided to go to a show this summer. All of them, it, it makes us dream. It makes mm-hmm. us feel like I can do that too, or I'd like to do that too. And one person in particular who is sitting with me has not ridden her horse since May. And she rode this week. Oh, it's so motivating. It's just so motivating yeah. to be in that atmosphere for us horse people. It, that is my social life. 
You know, it is the social life to be in the stands. I love seeing everybody out there with their boots on and their pants rolled up and everybody's just sitting there hooting and hollering and mm-hmm. cheering for each other. And it's just such a fun, fun atmosphere. And I think that even to just go and be there for fun is enough. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. And another note, if you are showing, and this is not how you feel about showing because the people that you're around when you're showing are not making you feel good. They're making you feel like you're judged or you're not good enough. There are people at that show who will make you feel better. So shows are fun. Shows are supportive. There are fantastic people there. Um, If your circle does not make you feel supported and like you deserve to be there, find a new circle. (laughs) Well said. All right. We're almost done, but first we have to do, you tell me yours. I'll tell you mine yeah. today. I want you to tell me about a time when you went to a horse show and you realized you weren't quite ready. And then what did you learn from that experience? Okay. I have two lessons for this one. First, it was like the best first, like best case scenario. Uh, it was before I met my husband and I was just getting introduced to cattle penning and I just switched over from English And I had a little bit of pressure to go and ride at this, at this particular uh, penning show. It'd be my first time. And I was riding a horse that I'd ridden a few times, but never on cows got to the show. And I had bought a new pair of Levi's jeans. Like this is so ingrained in my mind. I still remember the brand of jeans I bought for the particular show. Okay. So I'm there buy these new jeans. I got in my tack and I had to ride in this horse's saddle. It wasn't like I could ride in my own saddle. I had to ride in the saddle that fit the horse. The stirrups didn't go up high enough. I was in new jeans. I discovered don't ride in Levi's jeans, not these ones anyway, because they're slippery. And so I was loping around the warm-up pen that first night feeling literally unsafe. I did not feel comfortable in my tack I did not feel comfortable in the environment. I felt very much in over my head. Now, luckily (laughs) for me, not for the organizers, all their cows got out. (laughs) And so (laughs) they had to go and gather up their cows and the show got canceled. And I didn't actually have to uh, take myself out of the show. The show did it on its own. Um, But I knew when I was in the warm-up pen for that show, the relief I felt when they said that the show was canceled, showed me that I was not ready for the show. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. You know what though? I feel like many times I feel relief when things get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about personalities. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's good. Yeah. You came a long way after that though. Yeah. So my lesson is don't buy new jeans right before a show and not ride in them because then you don't even know if they're slippery or not. I have a- oh my gosh. Yeah. That is good. Make sure you're intact. That's comfortable. Yeah. So our, we have, I have one, I have two listener ones that I wanted to do today because they're a little bit different and I really think they're important. So Sarah said that setting realistic goals can be humbling. She said, I always cross my fingers that I make it out of the warm up pen. And I think that goes to show, and Sarah is someone who's been writing for a very long time and has lots of experience, but you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And sometimes things change and sometimes your horse is off and sometimes the situation can be different and to go in and ride the horse that you have today. Mm. Okay. And then Jen said, 
I go in all the time, not ready, but I don't go to win. I go to enjoy the time with my horses and my friends. Yeah. So I think Jen ha- probably has horses that she can trust that they're not going to run away with her, but she doesn't necessarily feel like she needs to like nail and drill every single right. skill and maneuver or whatever it is that she's out there doing because she's just out there to have fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah and Jen. Those are great. Yeah. And so for me, I had told a story quite a while back on the episode we did with Matt Hudson about a show that I went to that I wasn't prepared to prepared for. And then the next year I went back and everything was okay. But I think when I thought back about this, I think I have entered several shows that I wasn't ready for because I wasn't listening to my horse. Mm. And so I, I really had this mentality, like my horse does these obstacles. He knows these obstacles. We've done this before. We can do it at home. We've done it at clinics. So therefore we should be able to do it at the show, but there was something missing. And I entered a big um, competition that a lot of people that are very good at obstacle competitions do. And I thought that I could go in, not necessarily win, but at least just go in and complete it. And when I got in there, he refused so much. We had to be excused. He, we refused a lot of obstacles and there were ones that I wasn't even comfortable asking him to get on. Mm. And I think that I should have known that he wasn't ready anymore. He had lost his confidence and he wasn't necessarily the horse that I had had a year before. And so what I learned from that is to listen to my horse And to really put him through those things at home before I tend to, before I go trying to compete in those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And trust what they're telling you at home. Yeah. And if it's, if you're struggling at home, the struggle is still going to be there in the show pen and probably more so. Yeah. And so my advice to someone who wants to go show, cause I just really wanted to get out there and go show. That's why I do this Mm -hmm. to go to the competition. And so if I'm not going to go to the competition and just like doesn't make sense to me, you know? (laughs) So if I were to do it again, I would have gone and did not as high caliber as a comp of a competition, or I would have gone to a fun show or just take the horse and not enter the competition. People do that. I didn't know that people did that at that time. Mm -hmm. And so it was important that I didn't rush it and I rushed it. And so that would be my advice to people for that. That's great advice, Nadine. Thank you. All right, everyone. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. And you know what? Stay tuned for an upcoming episode because we have a competitive coach coming on. Mm. And I think you're really going to enjoy that. If you were looking forward to this one, I think you're going to want to listen to the one with John Haim as well. Yes, for sure. It's going to be a great one. You're going to love it. And uh, if you want some tips on confidence, he's your go-to guy. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. We're so grateful to have you here. And if you have not checked out our socials, then we invite you to find informed equestrian on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, if you want to see some fun. And again, we're so grateful for you and thank you so much for tuning in to Canada horse podcast. Bye for now. today. If you know a fellow Canadian equestrian or equine business you think needs to be highlighted on the show, be sure to email podcast at informedequestrian.com so we can be in touch. 
And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to send us some love is by sharing about Canada Horse Podcast and Informed Equestrian with your friends. And leaving a review is always appreciated. Your support means the world to us. Until next time. Right on, Canada. Canada.